are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on foxsports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7000. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Friday, everybody. It's the eve of the start of Auburn football's regular season as they take on the Akron Zips tomorrow. We've got Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com joining us for the entire first hour of the show. Gentlemen, how are you guys doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Noah. We're one day away, less than 24 hours away from getting in Jordan-Hare Stadium. I am thrilled to be in the studio to talk some college football. Yeah, with all due respect to fall camp, I am so incredibly happy that we're done with fall camp. I'm, I'm ready for the season. That's right, and hopefully a packed-out Jordan-Hare Stadium tomorrow, of course. I feel like I've heard some things recently that it's not a sellout, that there may still be tickets available. I may be wrong on that, but I don't think that it's going to be a sellout tomorrow. I hope yesterday's crowds that I saw around college football are not an indication of what we will see tomorrow in Jordan-Hare Stadium, because I, for one, was very disappointed in Neyland Stadium last night. Yeah, it was not It was not the atmosphere that I would kind of want to see coming back to college football, right? And the same for UCF. I mean, it was not a packed-out crowd. Obviously, it was energetic, but not where I would like to see it for the entire year. So apparently the UCF fans got, like, stranded outside the stadium because of the lightning delays, and, like, they wouldn't let them in. Mm. So that led to some of that crowd uh, not showing up to the game or not getting into the game. But, hey, it was a fun game to watch, nonetheless. It was a thriller. And all of the student sections were packed last night. Minnesota's was packed. Tennessee's was packed. There wasn't an empty seat in the student sections. You could tell. But outside of that, it was kind of sparse in certain areas in some of the stadiums. And that's what we've seen up to this point. Nothing, of course, as terrible as what UCLA looked like last weekend. But (laughs) I imagine that they'll have quite a few more fans this weekend when they take on LSU. We'll get aside from the stadium and the fanfare and whatnot number to call 334-321-1390 text line at 334-564-1840 christian what do you expect to see tomorrow from the auburn tigers we've talked about this a lot schematically what are you expecting to look at from auburn tomorrow a pass happy offense or a little bit more vanilla and putting it on the ground yes so let me just start off by saying what i would do because it's not what i think they're going to do darn because i know what you want to do i think that they should pass the ball quite a bit because i think that's the weakest point of this offense the offensive line struggles to pass block the wide receivers are young and inexperienced for the most part don't have a lot of chemistry with bo Nix there and the tight ends haven't really been involved as pass catching tight ends that much in the past so i think that's something that they should really explore these first two weeks so they can figure out how weak they really might be at that spot in order to get better at that now I don't think that's something that they're really going to do. I think they're going to have, obviously, some passing, and they're going to do it a little bit in the first half. But overall, I think they're going to run the ball quite a bit. Tank Bigsby, Sean Shivers, Jarquez Hunter, everyone's going to get a lot of carries. It's Akron and Alabama State next week. There's going to be a lot of carries, I think. What makes you think they're going to run the ball so much? I just – 
have a personal feeling. I don't really have anything behind that. It's I know, the vibe you get from covering these guys. Yeah, I just don't think that they're going to want to pass the ball all that much. I think they'll certainly do it a little bit, show, show some things off. I think tomorrow, even more so than the Alabama State game, they're going to want to be flashy, score a lot of points, get the crowd really excited for Harson's debut, season opener, first game back with uh, fans in the stands, really. So I think tomorrow you might see maybe a little more passing than I'm expecting, but I think it's going to be pretty run heavy. And I would hope I would hope that Auburn does try and develop that passing game. I really like what Travis, one of our callers, said yesterday, talking about how he believes that Auburn is going to try and establish that uh, that uh, that dominant run game early. You know, get Tank Bigsby going, get Shivers going, make sure that Auburn's flowing on offense. They're in a rhythm, and then they start to open up the passing game. Demetrius Robertson, Javaris Johnson, Shedrick Jackson's going to start at receiver. Maybe getting Elijah Canyon involved. Maybe getting Malcolm Johnson Jr. involved. Tavares Dawson listed on the too deep as a freshman maybe get him some targets open up this passing game and kind of get a feel for who your top guys are because like you said Auburn's receiver room is incredibly inexperienced and while they have guys like Jackson and Robertson in the room they still need to get those guys targets because Robertson's playing in a completely new system and Shedrick is playing in a new system even though he's been with another program for three years yeah and I mean Look, Demetrius Robertson, he had that great freshman season. He hasn't really done anything since then, so you want to see what he can really do in a game environment. And Shedrick Jackson, he's been here for three years, and he has 10 catches, and he's struggled with drop issues in the past. Get these guys, in my opinion, get these guys involved as much as possible these first two games. No matter what, you got to try and target the wide receivers as much as possible and try and get them in a rhythm, get them flowing a little bit before that Penn State game. Right. As, as far as schematically, if Auburn is going to open up the passing game, what's the best way to get these receivers comfortable? Is it screens? Is it intermediate throws? Maybe some mesh routes? Or is it maybe taking a couple of shots downfield down the middle? I don't know if they have a ton of take shots down, uh, deep throws, stuff like that. I don't know if they have a ton of those guys. I think uh, Demetrius Robertson and Tavares Dawson can do that. But I would look on – just some shorter routes, medium routes, some mesh, some slants, stuff like that. I think though that's where these wide receivers really excel. On top of that, I, I would also I would also be interested to see you know if the offensive line. It, I don't necessarily think they're going going to struggle, but maybe some rollout passes for Bonix, some design run things where Bonix actually goes out of the pocket and is rolling out and throwing on the run. I think we're going to see the bootleg tomorrow. Yeah. There's a lot of that in today's day and game, and, and you look at the NFL level, and I talk about the Cleveland Browns a lot, but I think you're going to see some similarities between this offense and maybe what you see at the next level. It is a pro-style offense, of course. It's something that is taking over the game at the next level. There is a proliferation of bootlegs and getting the quarterback moving to a side that he's comfortable with, and you see that in a guy like Baker Mayfield with the Cleveland Browns. His production last season, his productivity soared by taking advantage of the bootleg and getting him able to throw on the run and I think Bo Nix is a quarterback who could really benefit from some of those same things that Baker Mayfield benefited in Cleveland that's a really good comparison I hadn't really thought about the Browns offense and comparing it to Auburn's but I think think about the Browns too much (laughs) I think it makes a lot of sense when you look at the personnel um, in compare not wide receivers but when you look at like Tank Bigsby and Nick Chubb and then Bo Nix and Baker a little bit I can I can see where you're going for there very similar offenses I think you could be looking at this upcoming year and once again there are a lot of similarities between what Auburn's wanting to do offensively and a pro style offense and 
Maybe watch the Browns on a Sunday. I'm pretty sure they're nationally televised this upcoming Sunday. I mean, everybody's televised in the NFL. I'm trying to think if it's the local game because Browns are playing in that 3 o'clock window here locally, so I don't know if people will be able to watch them because there's a couple of games that happen at 3 o'clock, and unfortunately, I don't get lucky a lot of times with whether or not it's shown on a local station here, but it may be they're playing the Chiefs. That may be the big game this upcoming, not this Sunday, the one after when the Browns take the field. Switching gears here. Christian, what has everyone been saying this week out of the program, press conferences and whatnot? Have you been able to exact or extract any trends out of all of the different media availabilities this week? It seems like we've gotten more players and the coaches more often than we typically do. Yeah, we've gotten a little bit more media availability. I think the one big theme throughout, whether it's the coaches, the players, everybody's been saying it. They're just really excited for a game, man. They're so excited to have fans in the stands. They want everybody out there. They want every seat sold. They want everybody yelling. They don't care if it's Akron. They just want a normal environment that they didn't get last year. And especially these new coaches, Brian Harson, he wants to experience that for the first time. You know, he said, I think it was on the SEC coaches teleconference. He said he might sneak out of the locker room because he wants to watch the pregame Eagle flight. So these guys just want to have a fun environment on Saturday. I hope he does. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope he does as well. It's just such a great tradition. I hope he does. Uh, sneak out to see it but you talk about these guys being so excited and obviously we're excited about watching this entire team play we talked about the receivers and how important it is to watch them kind of develop some chemistry with Bo Nix but for you Christian what's the number one thing that you are looking forward to uh, during game day as far as like maybe you're looking to see Bo Nix play well maybe you're looking to see this defense create some turnovers maybe you're just enjoying the fanfare what what are you looking forward to okay so the number one thing I'll say the number one thing I'm watching for in the game is the offensive line. If the offensive line shows any bit of issues against Akron, I'm going to be ringing the alarms. I'm going to be really, really concerned about that. That's uh, that's going to be a major problem. As for what I'm excited for, I'm just excited to be, you know, the, the Jordanaire Stadium press box is not the best, but I'm excited to be up in the press box, hanging around with some of the other beat members, watching the game, you know, just having a good time on Saturday night. That's a return to normal for the media, right? Is to see everyone back in the press box, not seeing some of the members one week and then different yep. group the next week. It's getting everyone back, being able to have in-person press conferences. Are they going to have an in-person press conference in the postgamers? Is it still going to be conducted via Zoom? Unfortunately, it is Zoom. Mm. Um, some schools are doing in-person, so I'd assume Auburn is going to try and work towards that, you know, maybe later in the season. But unfortunately, we're starting with Zoom, but Still happy to be back. Yeah, and you hope to eventually, and like with Tiger Walk, you hope to eventually get to the point where things are fully back to normal, right? What is the status on Tiger Walk? How is that being done this upcoming Saturday? Yeah, so they're doing Tiger Walk. Um, the press release that we got just said that it's widened. Um, so I, I don't know exactly how that's going to work out. I'm assuming they're just trying to move the fans just a little further away from the players, keep it a little bit safer for the players and for the fans for that matter. So. It's going to be widened, but it should be about the normal Tiger Walk that you're used to seeing. Normal length, though, right? Like, of course, you're going to be further away yeah. from them. You're not going to be yes. able to give them high fives and whatnot, yeah, but be you'll be able to see them walk down Donahue. Yes, it should be the normal length. It's just the actual width of what they're walking through yeah. is going to be a little bit wider. That is probably the thing that I am most excited about pregame-wise on Saturday is Tiger Walk. Now, is the band going to be out there? I think I saw something that the band won't be doing their spirit march in the pregame. So I believe they're doing it, but they're instead of going through the tunnel, 
they're uh, entering through like the corners of the end zone. Okay. So that way they can spread out a little bit more and not be so compact into that tunnel. But talking about Tiger Walk, just seeing so many people flock to Donahue in that intersection right outside the stadium and to hear the band playing and the percussion, it, it's college football. Like when I think college football, I think of the band and the people and Tiger Walk and percussion and what that sounds like on a play to play basis, what that sounds like in the pregame. That's college football to me. And so that's probably what I'm most excited to participate in on Saturdays to be at Tiger Walk. Yeah, absolutely. And then as far as, you know, just the hype up during the pregame, actually in the stadium, I'm going to be in the press box as well for about half the game before I leave and then I'm going to be doing after the game here on ESPN 106.7 with Dan Peck we're going to be breaking down the game after uh, after it ends but yeah just to be there for all the for all the build up and everybody getting hyped up and the, the the first kick I can only imagine how loud that war eagle is going to be on the kickoff number to call 334-321-1390 text line at 334-564-1840 what are you most excited about for Saturday's game against Akron other than just being back for a football game a specific element of the game on Saturday call in and tell us about it what are you excited and also people should be flocking into town at this point I mean the white tents are up on yep. campus what's that like I mean you're still a student on campus covering obviously Auburn Athletics for AuburnSports.com but what's it like on campus right now what's the vibe is it is it back to being like what college football was two years ago with the students it is, yeah. No, people are really excited. Uh, funny enough, I actually wasn't on campus today because both my classes got canceled. So thank you to my professor for that. Uh, that was really great. But yesterday, um, people were there and people were really excited. And I mean, there's just a lot of excitement around the students. They are so excited for a full student section. Are you excited for the uh, the fireworks show that's going to be happening tomorrow? I believe it's going to be happening. Is it is it early in the morning that they're going to be doing it? I don't know when they're doing it. I, I I saw the email that they're testing the fireworks today, and so that made me realize, well, I guess they're doing fireworks tomorrow, but I'm not sure when they're doing it, but that should be pretty cool. It's nice to see, you know, obviously last year with, like, Georgia putting lights in their stadium and, and Alabama putting light, lights in their stadium and fireworks and stuff. It's going to be cool to see whenever Auburn f- scores that first touchdown under the lights to see just how cool and exciting that, the, that Jordan Hare is going to be. Yeah, I mean, the lights, they got debuted a little bit last year, but when you don't have a right. full stadium, you don't get the full effect of right. what they really bring. So, Going to head to the phone lines now. Number to call, 334-321-1390. And we have Rindy on the line with us. Rindy, how you doing today? I'm doing awesome. War Eagle, guys. War Eagle to you. So I have a question about Tiger Walk because I read that it's going to be a shortened Tiger Walk and that they're going to drop them off like it looked like between the um, arena and the Coliseum at Beardy's Court or whatever it's called. So is that is it still going to be down Donahue or is it going to be the shortened path? So originally they were going with that shortened. Um, from what I've heard, the players asked actually to extend Tiger Walk to what it used to be. So. It should be a normal length tomorrow, and it should be down to Oh, here. that makes me so happy that they requested that. That's huge. That's right. We're pumped about it, too. When I saw that story, I think Jake Weiss had yep. it from Opelika Auburn News. When I saw that, I was like, good for the players. Yes, absolutely. It just it just lets us know that they think it's as important as we do. That's right. Appreciate All it, right, Wendy. Guys, thanks. War Eagle. That was Rindy on the line with us. War Eagle to her as well. Yeah, I'm pumped. When I saw that story that Jake Weiss had of the Opelika Auburn News, I was like, good for the players, man. I, not not that the coaches or, or anybody was trying to do something wrong or, or and also not to put the man down or anything like that, but just 
I'm happy to see that they care about that and that they want to participate in this as much as everybody else does. It's the it's the recruiting cell, right? It's the fact that everybody here is a part of uh, part of the Auburn family, and it's good to see these players under a first year head coach involved and connected with the community to the point where they want to have that connection. They want to celebrate and they want to enjoy celebrating with the fans pregame. When we come back on the other side of this break, we're going to keep breaking down Auburn's game against Akron. Know a lot of people are flocking to the Plains today. If you want to call in, 334-321-1390. Text line also if you're on the go, if you are driving in, if you're listening to us while you're setting up your RV, whatever you got going on, text line 334-564-1840. Thank you again to Rindy for joining us here in segment number one. If you want to join into the show, remember, call or text in. We'll be back with more of On the Line on the other side of this break. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. Whatever is on your mind, we're getting ready for tomorrow's ball game against the Akron Zips, the season opener for the Auburn Tigers, as well as the first full Saturday of college football. We will be talking about a ton of other games in addition to this Auburn-Akron game, but we have our Friday guest with us, Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with us today, still breaking down this Auburn-Akron game. We haven't gotten into the depth chart with you. We've asked a couple of folks out there about the depth chart, but there's there's some surprises there, of course. No Elijah Canyon, no Dreshawn Miller there. Of course, most of the positions just went down to the two deep, so you can assume that those guys are third string. Shedrick Jackson shooting up to the starter at the X at wide receiver. So many surprises. What have you been able to uncover? What do you know about this depth chart and what was revealed to us back on Monday? Yeah, so let me just run through a couple of those things real quick. Shedrick Jackson, first off, that one kind of came out of nowhere to me personally. Um, We had been hearing that he was having a good fall camp, but you hear that a lot about a lot of different players, and then they kind of disappear throughout the season and on the depth chart. He actually got that starting role. So this could be a big opportunity for him. People have been kind of looking and asking for him to step up, and they thought that he would maybe last year, and he's dealt with injuries for quite a bit. So Shedrick Jackson has that opportunity to be a top receiver on this team. Defensively, Drayshawn Miller, he was banged up a little bit throughout camp. I believe they had some COVID issues, contact tracing and whatnot. And so because of that, he did kind of fall down the depth chart. And Roe Torrance had an incredible fall camp, so he kind of took that fourth cornerback spot. So that was really interesting. Um, Another interesting thing on the defensive side of the depth chart, the nickel wasn't listed. We know that's going to be Donovan Kaufman when they do go with a nickel, but that was not actually listed on the depth chart. And they went with more of a 4-3 style um, on the depth chart, but we know that can kind of switch around a little bit. There was a lot of things to unpack on the depth chart. In terms of Dreshawn Miller working his way back up the the depth chart, is that a legitimate possibility? Could we see him in a starting role at some point during the season, or is he just going to be reserved as a backup? No, I think he can certainly work his way onto the field. Um, During the open practice last week, Jalen Simpson seemed to be dealing with some sort of an injury. I don't know exactly what it was, so he could already be working his way into that top four cornerback spot. I think he's very talented. He just dealt with some unfortunate circumstances throughout fall camp on yesterday's show we talked about expectations for this defense really all throughout this week I've been calling for a shutout against Akron but an interesting factor or a variable that I don't think is being discussed about enough is on this depth chart you see guys like Dreshawn Miller 
he had his job took. I mean, all of us were thinking that this guy was going to end up being a starter back mm-hmm. when he committed to Auburn. Roe Torrance soars up the depth chart, and he committed to Auburn much later than Dreshawn Miller did. I think there's still a lot of competition on the two deep for this Auburn defense, and there's a lot of talent there too. There's quality depth all across this defense. Is Are you expecting to see a major drop-off from the first string to the second string when you finally get to that point against Akron on Saturday? No, uh, I'm in the same boat as you. I do not think Akron is going to score a point against Auburn, and that is because this Auburn defense is too deep, and at some spots they're three deep. So no offense to Akron. They're going to be in for a tough day. Is that a good thing to have uh, competition across the depth chart still heading into the game tomorrow? Or would it be better to Auburn for Auburn to have their set 11? Or is it good that Auburn has that depth? I think it's really good that Auburn has that depth. Right. Um, it's keeping the starters on their toes the whole time. And those guys behind them are always going to be working, trying to get onto the field. And this coaching staff has shown a willingness, really, that they're, they will move people around on the depth chart if needed. So... I think that's really good for Auburn. I think it's a wonderful thing for these first two weeks specifically because these backups are going to step out onto the field with a higher element of pride than maybe a previous defense that we have seen at Auburn when it got to blowout time and the second and third stringers came out there because they want to climb the depth chart. In the past, you might have been able to say, especially under Gus Malzahn and the way that he handled the depth chart, there was virtually no hope to change your playing time situation, it seemed like, a lot of years. Whether it was offense or defense, there's real hope to get out on the field for some of these guys. And some of them are looking to take any opportunity they can get and I'm sure that would be Dreshawn Miller in this situation considering he's been put down to third straight of course there are other defensive linemen in that same boat I mean there's a lot of competition down the depth chart I'm thrilled about that absolutely thrilled yeah I mean I think it's really good for Auburn and under the previous staff I don't know if you would have seen a guy like Roe Torrance in the two deep on the depth chart I think they would have they might have just stuck with Dreshawn Miller even though he had injuries and stuff like that they might have just stuck with him and put him as the starter as the backup just because of that. But this staff showed that, hey, Roe Torrance had a really great camp. Due to some unfortunate circumstances, Drayshawn Miller wasn't really able to participate much in camp. And so because of that, we're going to move things around. So I think that's really good for Auburn. Now switching gears to Gus Malzahn, as we've mentioned the name, UCF tops Boise State yesterday, 36-31 to in Gus Malzahn's debut win with the Knights. Was it the same Malzahn? Were you watching the game, first of all? Because all of Auburn Twitter was on fire last (laughs) night. There was a line drawn in the sand, maybe just emblazoned. So I want your thoughts. What did you see from Gus Malzahn? Maybe similarities, differences? For me, I I thought I saw the same Gus with just some minute differences, and that probably just has to do with personnel like Dylan Gabriel being on his football team. Yeah, so I did watch – let me just say I watched most of it. Um, I was doing a fantasy football draft during the draft – or during the game, so – I missed a little bit because of that, but it certainly looked like the same Gus. Um, you saw that one Dylan Gabriel interception kind of mistake towards the end that almost allowed Boise to get back into the game. Mm-hmm. That was kind of that classic Gus, oh, let's take a shot and let's try and kill him here, and it ended up backfiring, and it could have been really bad if Boise would have gone down and scored. I think that was Boise. That was the one where Bachmeyer threw the interception. I think that was that drive maybe. Yeah. Or maybe I'm throwing things off a little bit here, but it was definitely the same old Gus. Um I didn't really see too many differences, but I'm happy for him. That was a nice little win. It feels like a little bit of the Auburn magic or a little bit of the Auburn luck uh, came with Gus to UCF because Hank Bachmeyer 
could have gotten that first down on third and two. And he chunked it. He chunked it. He's like, what are you doing? With like, <laughs> with like three steps past the line of scrimmage. Yep. Like he could have, like Big Cat Bryant, by the way, could not get to him on the edge once again. Big Cat Bryant couldn't bring the quarterback down, wasn't fast enough. Bachmeyer could have gotten those two yards and maybe a couple more had he just committed to running the football, but instead kept his eyes downfield. Uh, a yard past the line of scrimmage yeah, just kind of flung that up there, and it was, man, a oh man, oh man. No no normal quarterback, like, under that circumstance, obviously it's very, very high pressure, but he, like, Knicks would probably have just kept that one. Like, honestly, like, if a, a normal quarterback, like, just somebody that knows what they were doing would have kept that and gotten that first down. It was just a wild, lucky play, and I think Bachmeyer's a good quarterback. It was just a wild one-time thing where Bachmeyer made a split decision that he knew he shouldn't have, and it's it's that Auburn luck. It's that Auburn luck, man. Yeah, Gus definitely got a little bit lucky there, but a lot of I think a lot of credit should go to Travis Williams as well, the defensive coordinator there. Excellent they, defensive performance. Yeah, they. I mean, the first half honestly wasn't even really that bad because the pick six is what kind of yep. gave Boise um, that really big lead, and then they gave up twenty-four points. Yeah, I know the scoreboard says 31. They gave up 24. Yep, and in that second half, I mean, they, they had shut... negative five yards going into the fourth. <laughs> yeah, they shut them down. So a lot of credit should go to Travis Williams for that. That's his first opportunity as a defensive coordinator, and I think he shined really well against Boise State last night. And it was against a team of quality. I mm-hmm. can't stress enough how bad UCF's defense was last year. It was Ole Miss-level bad on the defensive side of the football. And overnight... This defense all of a sudden looks quality enough to carry them through the American Athletic Conference against teams of quality because Boise State is a team of quality. They have good offensive players. They are a good football team, better than 90% of the teams they will face in the American Athletic Conference this year. I think Boise State could beat Louisville, a team that UCF will be playing in a couple of weeks. I think Boise State could beat pretty much any team in the AAC with the exception of Cincinnati maybe at this point and then obviously UCF last night but they could have beaten UCF last night and to see that ridiculous statistic in the second half where at one point going to like the fourth quarter or something like that they had like negative five yards yeah I think the third quarter was negative five yards that's absurd what adjustments on yeah. the fly for a first-time defensive coordinator. Man, that would be that would have been nice to have at Auburn. You know, halftime adjustments and some really <laughs> important games. That'd be that'd be really cool. You know, I, I love, Lance I, is out here throwing the shade today. I'm Any just, normal quarterback would not have thrown that football. <laughs> By the way, Big Cat Bryant didn't get to the backfield. <laughs> he didn't. It Where were like, halftime adjustments when they were here? <laughs> I'll just say I'll say Bachmeyer is a good quarterback. And the re- it, it, what my, my point being, that's just such a random spur of the moment play that just wouldn't happen under normal circumstances, right? Yeah. Like if he was, he it, obviously he made the mistake, but that just normally doesn't happen. You're, you're right. I was thinking, what are you doing? You're you're like you're you're you you lay down forward and you have the first down, bro. It's like it's it. It, it is what it is. And you know what? Gus Malzahn got a good win. I agree with y'all. I thought the defensive performance was good. Isaiah Bowser, the Northwestern transfer, uh, doing what Malzahn loves to do best, running between the tackles. It kind of, for some reason, it, correct me if I'm wrong, did it feel kind of like Peyton Barber out there, like the way that Bowser was running? I kind of felt, I kind of got that vibe a little bit. The it, commentators last night said Toby Gerhardt. I was like, oh, throwback to 09 Stanford. Interesting. <laughs> I, I can that. see that. I heard someone say Cameron Artis Payne. Um, I saw sure. that comparison out there. You know, I didn't really watch Auburn too much back then, but see, I can see it a little bit from what I've seen. Maybe it's just because I saw Barber go up the middle so much uh, that maybe <laughs> maybe that's why I was thinking about it. 
And UCF outgained Boise State last night, 573 total yards to Boise State's 312. You were talking about defense. That's one of my takeaways from this game, holding Boise to 312 yards. Impressive. I thought they did very well last night. Despite the fact that it says 31, don't be deceived. This defense is a lot better than maybe what that scoreboard suggested last night. Let's take a quick break here on On the Line. When we come back, we get recruiting tidbits from Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with us here on the Friday edition of the show as we get ready for tomorrow's season opener against Akron. Number to call 334-321-1390 in our text line at 334-564-1840. Specter is on the line with us. Specter, how you doing today, my man? Yeah, I'm pretty good. How are you guys? We're doing really well. What's on your mind? Well, I saw Gus last night. Uh, it's like he's aged quite a bit. I mean, a lot of gray hair. That's right. Yeah. I was curious where all that came from. <laughs> Yeah, it comes from the roots, guys. But he go he needs to go out for just for just for men every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, listen, let me tell you about Gus though. Gus ain't changed. Uh every time in his hundred and four games at Auburn, every time he scored thirty or more points, he won fifty one of his games. So, um it's that's nothing unusual. I mean, I I saw the same old Gus. Matter of fact, I saw the mascot on the sideline with a Gus bus. Really? So, yeah, he, yeah, he was too, wearing, yeah, he he was straddling a Gus bus. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, Golden Knight in a Gus bus. There anyway, you go. anyway, he, he Gus did it. You know, I, I'm glad he won. I mean, uh, you know, he's a, he's an Auburn man, even though he was only here for eight years. But I'm glad he won. But ain't nothing changed though. I mean, he he's in his element. You know, I think he was out of his league when he was in Auburn, but um, he had some, he had a couple good years, and, and uh, I wish him all the best in the future. Now, getting up to the game this weekend, I think when like like the other guy was saying, I can't think of his name is on your show today, Christian. Yeah, Christian. Yeah, I, I agree with him. We need to work on that offensive line, and uh, we know what we got at running back, and we know what we got at quarterback. And, but if we got an offensive line that can help out these running backs and quarterbacks, that uh, everything else will just come together. Our receivers, you know, they're receivers. You give the, give them the ball and they should catch it. They don't catch it. They need to they need to look somewhere else to play. But if you give the ball to them, they should be able to catch it. So I, I have confidence in all my receivers. Uh, but I need to see what our offensive line can do to protect uh, Bo. And if they do the job, uh, they got two games to get this offensive line together. And if, if they, I tell you what, if some, if we fail in the Penn State game, we got a long year ahead of us. Yeah, and that's my take too. Is you, you're not going to know that you can do it if you don't try it, right? And I think it would be a very poor decision to wait until the Penn State game to start trying it. You may not know for certain whether or not you can keep the Penn States, the A&Ms, the LSUs out of your backfield, but you at least need to know that you can do it against Akron and Alabama State. you got to walk before you can run. Yeah, 
Well, like I said, I look at these two games as basically exhibition games. You need to work on, on your on your schemes. You need to work on your playmakers, and you need to get everything synchronized. And then when you get into the start of the season, which, I, which Penn State is, then you should have everything put together. Then you go to your playbook and get your plays out. I agree with that. Spectre, you got a score prediction for us? Oh, no. I, I, I don't want to say we're going to blow them out. I, I, I really don't care if we blow them out or not. I just want to get this offensive line together. Even if we win three to nothing, I want this <laughs> offensive line to jail. That would be disturbing if Auburn only won three to nothing. But, Spectre, are you, uh, you going to be at the ball game tomorrow? Uh, maybe. I don't know. It depends. I've I got something going on now. If I can get loose, I will. But, um, other than that, I, I did want to say something about Big Cat. Go for it. Little Cat. <laughs> I, I wasn't impressed. Yeah, I heard his name called quite a few times, and I'll need to go back and see. Do you have a stat line, Lance? Try and find that for I can us. I pull it up for you. I heard his name called quite a few times, but yeah, still the question is about getting home, and then the UCF defense did for a first half, did bleed yardage. Now, they made big adjustments in the second half, and credit to former Auburn linebacker coach Travis Williams yeah. for that. Now, I tell you, he did have some assists, but uh, his name was called, but I always see somebody else made the tackle, and he was piling on. Yeah, Big Cat was always, like, around the play, but not making yeah, the play. Right. He, exactly right. he had uh, four tackles last night, one assisted. Any sacks or tackles for loss? No sacks, no tackles for no. loss. No, that's correct. Mm. Little Cat. <laughs> <laughs> Spectre, hope you have a good weekend, my man. You too, bud. That was Spectre on the line with us. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. Yeah, I was flipping back and forth last night. Of course, the Boise State-UCF game had quite a long delay. I caught the entire second half. I did not catch really the first half of the Boise State-UCF game because I was fixed on Ohio State-Minnesota. And then every once in a while, I wanted to go and chuckle and watch the Tennessee Bowling Green game. Yeah, I started out with the Tennessee Bowling Green game. I was waiting for the... uh, the uh, UCF Boise State game to start I was watching Tennessee and man their offense started out really really hot and we're going to break it down later in the show and then they just kind of fell apart and like you said you would tune in just to kind of chuckle it'd be like oh it's still 14 to 6 so yeah it's still 14 to 6 that's awesome but yeah I was fixated on the uh, Boise State UCF game once it got started I didn't see a whole lot of Ohio State Minnesota but we'll get to all those games later but yeah the Boise State UCF thrilling game last night hate that it ended the way it did though Christian What's all going on on AuburnSports.com for folks this weekend? Yeah, so I just had a big war room that came out a little bit before I came here for the show, actually, um, running down all the different recruits that are going to be here this weekend. The big one, everybody wants to hear his name, Darius Clemens. He's going to be here this weekend. This is a guy that I'm personally looking out for. I don't think he would publicly commit this weekend, but I'm keeping my ear to the ground, close to the ground, trying to hear potentially a silent commit. This is a guy that Auburn is trending really really well for right now i like auburn's chances way more than oregon and penn state so he's going to be here this weekend that's a big one to look out for uh tj dudley a oregon linebacker commit actually out of montgomery he's going to be here this weekend um for the game almost all of the commits everyone except for micah riley ducker will be here he's he'll be down at some point this season but they got a ton of different commits or well they have almost all the commits coming in they have a ton of different recruits coming down for an Akron game, it's a huge list of kids that'll be here. Obviously, a lot leads into that. It's not just Akron, but there's a ton of kids. And then, obviously, moving forward the rest of the weekend, we'll have a ton of game coverage and stuff like that. 
Headed back to our phone lines now. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Our text line at 334-564-1840. We've got TJ on the line with us. TJ, what's up? Hey, question I have. With things being equal, uh, how many offensive plays you think we'll be running average per game? Not you know, not these first two, but uh, will we be running less with this new offensive scheme compared to what we've done the last five or six years or, or about the same? Just curious. I think, honestly, I think it's going to be maybe just a little bit less because I think this offense is going to not try and hit you in the mouth play after play after play as fast as they possibly can. I think they're going to try and move the ball downfield efficiently, and I think that takes a little bit of time. So I'd probably say either right at where it was last season as far as plays per game go, I don't have that number right in front of me, or it might be a little bit less because Auburn may honestly try and control the ground game and hit some short and intermediate passes. Now, do they plan to huddle for every play, or are they going to still run stuff from the line of scrimmage? Uh, I think they're going to try and huddle quite a bit. I don't really expect to see too much no huddle at all. Yeah. All right. Well, looking forward to it. Cool. Appreciate it, TJ. Thanks for calling in. Thank you very much. All right. War Eagle. War Eagle to you as well. That was TJ on the line with us here for the Friday edition of the show, getting ready for the Akron football game tomorrow. We're going to head to our phone lines again, 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. And we've got Rain Man on the line with us. Rain Man, how you doing today? I'm doing well, fellas. I, uh, like you guys, I was mostly transfixed on the Ohio State-Minnesota uh, game. I'll make a quick comment on that. The uh, running back for Ohio State that broke the long touchdown run. Yeah. Uh, that guy would have been caught by any safety or defensive back on any legitimate quality SEC football team. That's you talking about thinking. Williams on <laughs> yeah. the on the yeah. first big touchdown? Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I, you know, somebody somewhere Minnesota's a good football team. I like their coach. They're limited in, in real athletes. I think Ohio State, this is why every year when they end up facing an Alabama or someone like that, they can't hold up and ultimately the Big Ten is they don't have the same level of speed in the athletic position overall, top to bottom, as the SEC does. And I think Ohio State got exposed a little bit last night on that. I thought they, they got pushed to... around a lot, too. Like, yeah. I was really yeah, impressed absolutely. with Minnesota up front. They were able to establish the ground game. And, of course, it may have only been for, like, four yards of carry or a little bit under that, but they were able to, with consistency, get a push up front. I was really impressed with Minnesota in the trenches. Yeah, I agree with you, man. As far as offensively, yeah, I agree with you. They don't. I don't feel like they have as much SEC speed as a lot of the top-tier teams in the Southeastern Conference do. But I'm looking at defensively. Like, that defense, man, like you said, Noah, they got pushed around, and they just did not have enough. And I was really concerned about that secondary, but Minnesota was able to run the ball all over them. Imagine what an SEC school will do. No, I, I agree. Uh, but I also want to talk a little bit about Gus in Central Florida. Go for it. Uh, I happened to flip that at a point, and I want to say it was 7 nothing uh, Boise at that point, but they were talking about Gus commenting on how much he really liked his quarterback and uh, that offense he was able to run with him and some things, and they mentioned that he had mentioned having to constantly rework his offense due to constantly having different quarterbacks during his stint here at Auburn. And I was a little bit taken by that because I thought he had the same quarterback in 13 and 14 and 17 and 18, and then again in 19 and 20. And I also believe that if you don't have the right quarterback to run your system as the head coach, that's probably your fault, right? Yeah, it's because of who he recruited. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, this is 
this is the epitome of one problem I always had with Gus. You're the head coach. It's your offense. If we don't have the right quarterback, that's your fault. And when you've got quarterbacks as radically different as Sean White and um, what can I say his name, Jeremy Johnson, on your team, you're not recruiting what you need for your system. It looks like you're just recruiting whatever you can get. I don't disagree with you there. I thought part of the issue with the previous regime was that they had a really difficult time with scouting personnel at the high school level. I I think that some folks would agree Mm -hmm. just talent, just finding talent at the high school level, that that was not this previous coaching staff's strong suit. Not that they weren't good recruiters and not that they couldn't bring in their four stars and you a five-star every once in a while. It's not that they couldn't seal the deal. It was more about the scouting and getting the right personnel in for the program. I agree. And uh, like I said, you're the guy in charge of shopping for the groceries. Don't complain that you can't cook a good dinner with them. That's on you. Uh, (laughs) It just frustrated me to hear it, and I had to flip away and quit watching at that point. I just couldn't listen to it anymore. But uh, I like I like the idea of uh, about forty nine to nothing. What do you guys think this weekend? I'm going fifty two to zero. Yeah, I, I actually <laughs> got a, I got it forty nine to three. So yeah, I'm right there with you, and I think that there's right. definitely opportunity for a shutout. Yeah, I had fifty six right. to zero. So you guys have a good weekend in War Eagle. You too, Rain Man. That was Rain Man on the line with us. We had a couple of new callers today. TJ, Rain Man, you guys don't be strangers. Call back. We want to hear from you guys. Maybe you guys are just in town for the weekend, and maybe you come in every every weekend for a home game. Be sure to call us back, 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. Guys, we have just a little bit of time left in this segment, and then we'll wrap up our number one. I want to split this over two segments here, all right? Fill in the blank Friday. We're doing it with Christian today. Last week you got to do Saturday selections. This week you're a part of fill in the blank Friday. And it's been a couple of Fridays since we've done this. But it's Auburn related. This is predictions for this upcoming weekend. So let's break it down right here. You guys ready? Ready. All right. Fill in the blank Friday. Blank A. Here we go. Blank will lead Auburn in receptions. Lance, earlier this week you said Javarius Johnson. I'm going to hold you to that. Let's give this one to Christian. Ooh, well, that's who I was going to pick, so I'll go Demetrius Robertson. You can go with Javarius Johnson if you want. No, that's fine. I'll go with Demetrius Robertson. Okay. I like the Georgia transfer. Sell me on it. Why do you think he's going to get the high volume? Uh, I mean, he came in, and you know he hasn't been anything incredible the past couple of years at Georgia and even at Cal, and everything we've heard has been really, really good about him in fall camp. So if he's been really good and they like that he's been able to play multiple different receiver spots, I think that they trust him a lot, and Bo Nix will try and get him the ball. Lance and I in our agreement, Javarius Johnson. It seems like Bo Nix likes Johnson a lot. Yeah. And since you were going, you were leaning <laughs> in that direction, I think you agree with us there. Let's go to blank number two, and then we'll head to a quick break. Bo Nix will have blank touchdown passes against Akron. I'm going to say three. I'm going to say he has three touchdown passes, and I think two of them come in the intermediate game, and I think one of them is somewhere between uh, a 30 to 25-yard touchdown pass. I'll say two. I think he has one lawn ball and then one kind of goal line pass. I think he maybe adds a rushing touchdown as well, but – Probably the running backs will get more of the touchdowns. I went three. I'm not sold that these guys are going to run Bo Nix as much. Now, I, I hope they do because that's a big factor in this offense. I hope he can get a rushing score. I hope he can fill up his stat sheet with rushing touchdowns all season long because I think that really is his strength right now as a QB. I went with three. I'm going to say one long ball, and then who cares on the other two? He'll, he'll just have two other, whether it's intermediate or short, whatever it may be. I'm going to say one long ball and maybe that happens relatively early on maybe that's like the second score of the ball game they uncork one downfield too 
your Demetrius Robertson. There I think Demetrius Robertson will probably be the yardage leader, but not the – maybe Shedrick Jackson, though, too. I, I think there could be room for that because Shedrick Jackson is playing the position at wide receiver that is most commonly associated with your deep ball threat, which is the X. Mm-hmm. The Z can be used that way as well, and Demetrius Robertson's super fast. So I'll say Demetrius Robertson's the yardage leader at receiver. catches a bomb downfield for like 60 yards or something like that. All right, so we got three touchdown passes each. Christian's calling for three total touchdowns, two TDs through the air and one on the ground. We'll take a quick break here. When we come back, we wrap up our time here with Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. We continue on with fill-in-the-blank Friday. We got score predictions coming. Also an over-under on yardage for Akron. All that and more coming up here on the Friday edition of On the Line. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you, joined by Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com for the Friday edition of On the Line. We're going to head back to our phone lines yet again, 334-321-1390. And Andrew is on the line with us. Andrew, how you doing today, my man? Man, I'm doing good. How about y'all? Doing real well. What's on your mind? Just a free-for-all Friday. I got a couple things I've been thinking about today. Awesome show, as always, guys. Uh, man, I'm excited about tomorrow. I don't know about you guys. I mean... You can feel it in the air. It's that time of year again, right? That's right. When I step outside, when I when I got outside today, I listened to uh, I hopped in my car and I listened to Southern Nights by Glenn Campbell. I know that's yeah. an old song, but just something hit right about high school football on a Friday night and then college football tomorrow. That's right. That's right, man. I'm so excited. Yeah, um, I was looking at the line for the game tomorrow, and man, uh, looks like Akron is is bad. Bad, bad, and, and and I'm not saying they're the worst in the country, but they just better hope the worst team in the country doesn't quit this year, man. It is going to be, <laughs> I think it's going to be pretty bad, and I'm looking forward to seeing what you know Bo and the crew can do. Uh, I know on the last segment you you were asking how many uh, touchdown passes he's going to have. I'm going to go out on a limb and say four. Okay. Um, I'm excited. I think he's going to take a step forward this year, and you know I, I'm excited to see what the defense can do too. Two of the things that I'm most excited about is seeing what Tony Fair can do and kind of what Bud Darius is going to do, man. Those those two guys bring a lot of experience and, and um, added to the keys that we already have on defense. So I'm excited. Just kind of wondering what you guys thought about that. It's a brand-new-looking Auburn football team, you know. I'm, I'm excited to see these two new schemes. Uh, of course, all the new players as well, like Tony Fair, Donovan Kaufman, Bidarius Knighton. Like, all these guys that they brought in, they're playing. Demetrius Robertson, uh, Auburn brought in so many people through the transfer portal. It's a new look Auburn football team and so yeah I'm with you I'm, I'm really excited I'm excited about all the pregame festivities to be there at Tiger Walk tomorrow it's it's going to be a blast yeah I'm excited and um you know I, I hate to to bring this up because I've, I've moved past Gus you know uh, it, it's a new day it's time to move on but just this is kind of off topic did you guys see his hair you know he <laughs> did there, a shot of him man he is he is uh looks like he's aged a little bit since he went down to Orlando yeah, I don't know how you gray or or whiten that much like over the matter of a couple of months because he really wasn't uh, – he didn't have too many gray hairs, I don't feel like, when he no. was here at Auburn. I don't know what happened. Oh, I know. I know. That was that was pretty shocking to me. And I was listening to a, another talk show up in Birmingham this morning, and one of the guys said that Dylan Gabriel was, was maybe the best quarterback that Gus has had since Cam. And, you know, I thought that was uh, probably the hottest pick I've heard 
thus far this year. You know, no respect to Nick Marshall. And then I think if Dylan Gabriel was at Auburn right now, you know, I still think Bo's number one without a doubt, in my opinion. I, I think Dylan Gabriel up to this point better QB than Bo but I'm with you that is there it's comparing apples and oranges between Dylan Gabriel and Nick Marshall they're two vastly different quarterbacks but their impacts if you're measuring impact there I mean Nick Marshall did about as much as any quarterback could do for the Auburn football program over the course of two seasons right I mean he was he was phenomenal so I mean he was the driving force in that offense in my in my mind it was it was Nick Marshall and, and Trey Mason year number one but then in year number two it really felt like it was Nick Marshall driving the driving the ship so yeah that is I, that's an interesting thought that I hadn't that had not crossed my mind to compare Dylan Gabriel to Nick Marshall yeah yeah and I I I, I thought that was a pretty bad take, in my opinion. And just one more thing before I get off the phone. I'm I'm thinking about this uh, Georgia and Clemson game. Just uh, you know, wondering what you guys are thinking about that. I'm I, I see a lot of people are, are really hammering down on Clemson right now. And you know, being a, a, a big fan, uh, you know, everything we've done over the past you know five ten years. Uh, there's nothing more I'd love to see than, than Georgia to take a beat tomorrow. Just kind of wondering where you guys are at on that game. I'm feeling Georgia. I think most of the other guys here in the room that I've been talking to feeling Clemson at this point. We'll pick that game a little bit later on in the show. I'm feeling Georgia. Clemson really bad history against Georgia. They never beat Georgia. I think they've only beaten them one time in, in like series history. I think Georgia's real talented this year. I could be wrong, though. I could eat my words. It seems like they're real talented every year. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm excited for a full slate of games tomorrow, and in that North Carolina Virginia Tech game tonight, that'll be exciting as well. But awesome show, guys. Uh, can't wait to hear your opinion on some games this afternoon. And uh, awesome show as always, War Eagle. Appreciate it, Andrew. War Eagle to you as well. We thank you for all the kind words, my man. Christian Clemente is going to stick around for hour number two. First time he stuck around for the full two hours on a Friday edition. Looking forward to that. When we come back, we'll finish filling the blank Friday, give some more predictions about this Auburn-Akron game, as well as step away to the rest of the college football universe. College football's back. You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7000. Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. We've had a nice group of callers so far today and if you want to join in the show you still got an hour to do so and then following us you got the drive with bill cameron and dan peck from 4 to 6 p.m they'll be taking your calls as well as everybody floods to the plains for tomorrow's season opener against the akron zips we've got christian clemente of auburnsports.com for the full show today christian man this is your first time for for the whole the whole gauntlet dude we appreciate it yeah i mean 
to be brutally honest, I had absolutely nothing else to do. So I figured I might as well stick around for the second hour. That's fair. It's the so. quiet before the storm. Well, give everybody a preview of everything going on this weekend on AuburnSports.com. Yes, we'll have some predictions going out tomorrow, our little pick them that we do. And we'll have um, a little preview story tomorrow and then obviously coverage all throughout the game and after the game and whatnot. And I'm actually starting a new series, a report card this year. So every Sunday I'll have a post-game report card grading out each position group. So probably giving out a lot of high grades this Sunday, if I had to guess. I would hope so. Which is the group that maybe you think going into this, if you had to predict, which group do you think is going to have the lowest grade? The lowest grade would probably go to the wide receivers, if really? I had to guess. You think they're going to grade lower than the offensive line in this ball game? I just think the offensive line, look, if they can't block Akron, that, there's going to be some problems. So the wide receivers, you know, if they have some issues, miscommunications, drops, or stuff like that, that could drop their actual grade for me personally. But I don't know. It'll be tough. It'll be interesting to see. Let's go back to what we were doing towards the end of hour number one. Fill in the blank Friday. We've done a couple predictions up to this point. We've done two. We said who we think will lead Auburn in receptions. We also gave how many touchdown passes we think Bo Nix will have. Now we've got three more here for fill in the blank Friday. Auburn will give up blank 200 yards from Akron I should rephrase that let me let me go over this a different way Auburn will give up over under 200 yards from Akron fill in the blank I will say I will say under uh, 49 to 3 is my final score and we'll all get to our final scores in a second but yeah I don't see this Akron team really moving the ball much I think Cato Nelson is maybe able to put together a drive one drive where they can get within field goal range and they can knock one through maybe late uh, in the first half but yeah I, I don't see this Akron team getting over 200 yards. And without Tion Dollard, their star running back, who is not on roster anymore, by the way, I think they're going to have a really, really tough time scoring. I mentioned this stat on yesterday's show, and I'm going to bring it up again. When Dollard had more than 20 touches in a game last season, Akron averaged 23.5 points per game. Whenever he didn't get more than 20 touches, they averaged 9 points per game. He's not going to be in this game at all. I just don't see Akron moving the ball very much. Yeah, I'm going to go under. Um, if this was like the week four game, if you like swap this with Georgia State, I think Akron would have a chance to put up some points and go over 200 yards. But it's the season opener, and after everything that happened last year and with a new head coach, I just don't, no think, mercy. Akron, I don't think Akron stands a chance to get over 200 yards. Finish them. No mercy, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go under as well. I, I thought 200 may have been really harsh earlier this week, but the more and more that I thought about it and saw some of the yardage totals from last year, I mean, there were two games where they were hovering at that threshold. They were held to like 148 or 158, something like that, against Miami, Ohio last year. Auburn's better than Miami, Ohio, guys. Duh. Auburn's better than the <laughs> MAC, period. <laughs> so yeah. for them to struggle in one of those games gives me serious concerns and questions about whether or not they'll be able to get to 200 in this one. So three unders in the room uh, in terms of total yardage for Akron tomorrow set at 200 yards. Now let's go to our fourth fill-in-the-blank on fill-in-the-blank Friday. The final score will be Auburn blank, Akron blank. So a two-for-one year. Yeah, 49-3 to again is going to be my final score. I'd love to see Auburn get over 50. I don't know if it happens because I agree with Christian. I think they're going to try and run the ball, and I think this offense is not going to be particularly quick. I think they're going to try and be efficient. So 49 points to three I think that's a fair final score anything better than that and I'm going to be very very pleased not not like I wouldn't be pleased with 49 to three but you know I think there's definitely room for Auburn to score over 50. With your score Christian there's got to be a lot of big plays right because yeah. I think there is something to say about how what, what Lance is getting at with how 
much slower this offense will be than what we are accustomed to. Yeah, I think there's just going to be a ton of big plays. Auburn just has so many playmakers that Akron does not have. And uh, I have Auburn winning 56-0. to So even if they're running the ball a lot, I can see a, a Sean Shivers 60-yard touchdown run or something like that. Jarquez Hunter breaks one. It's going to be a lot to a little. Let's see. Final score for Auburn will be 52-0. to That's what I'm going with. Now I'm trying to count up in my brain. That would be seven touchdowns, so seven extra points for Anders Carlson, and then the field goal. So Anders Carlson would be responsible for 10 points and be potentially, well, I said Bo Nix will have three touchdown passes. So Anders Carlson will be the second highest points getter for Auburn on Saturday. Would that not have been a hot take, though? If Bodix only throws like one TD or something like that, Anders and it's Carlson. just like spread evenly, and Anders Carlson's <laughs> the points leader on Saturday. Oh, man, that would be fantastic. I'm going to give him a field goal, though. Let's give him a chip shot in there. I hope Auburn's not kicking a field goal from 50 on Akron. Let's let's move the football a little bit further than that, gentlemen. But 52-0 is what I'm going with him calling for the shutout. Last blank here. Auburn fans will be blank after Saturday's game. Take this. For whatever you will, it could be rolling tumors. It could be an emotion. What do you got? Auburn fans will be blank after Saturday's game. Yeah, I'm going to go with an emotion. I'm going to say optimistic. I think Auburn's going to go out there and they're going to do a lot of really good things. I think the passing game is going to be efficient. And as far as like after one game, you know, there's not a whole lot that you can take away from just one game against a cupcake opponent. But obviously, I think Auburn fans are going to be excited and they're going to be optimistic because. Auburn will show out in this game, at least I'm predicting them to, and it's going to give Auburn fans a lot of optimism moving into the Alabama State game and then into the Penn State game. They're going to continue to work on that passing game and that O-line, and I think Auburn fans are going to be very happy with this team heading into that Week 3 matchup. Yeah, I'm going to go in emotion as well, and I'm going to say they're going to be thrilled. They are going to really, really be excited about this new offense, this new coaching staff, everything that's new about Auburn now. They're going to be really excited about it. Me and you must have been sharing notes or something like that because this is like three of the same blanks. I'll add an extra word. I'll add an adverb to this. I will say cautiously optimistic. All right. Okay, I, I think cautiously needs to be added to it because there will be optimism that reverberates around the fan base after a solid victory on Saturday. But I think you should be cautious, though, because it was Akron. You really don't learn a ton from this game. But also, Auburn fans are going to look across college football on Saturday, and I think they're going to see Penn State get pushed around. Maybe they don't get you know blown out on the scoreboard, but I think inside the trenches, they're going to get pushed around by Wisconsin. Maybe you see a 31-21, 31-17 type of game, and there's reason to be cautiously optimistic about that trip to Happy Valley. That's my prediction. There will be reason to be cautiously optimistic about that trip to Happy Valley in a couple of weeks. I'm not expecting a whole lot from Penn State on Saturday against Wisconsin. And really, that's less than 24 hours away. Can you believe it? Yeah, that's it's absolutely wild. And I'll, I'll go ahead and, and preview uh, something that we're going to talk about later on the show. I've been kind of flip-flopping back and forth on Penn State. I think that game's going to be interesting on Saturday. I'll just say that against Wisconsin. Let's take a look back at yesterday's games now as we've wrapped up fill-in-the-blank Friday. There were a lot of good games yesterday. Well, maybe I should should say just a handful of good games. You know, you got UCF, Boise State, and then you had Ohio State, Minnesota. There was some games that maybe looked like they were trending in a good direction. And then, of course, the blowout, of course, broke through eventually. But I want to give one takeaway from each of last night's ball games. 
UCF, Boise State, the first one up. UCF wins 36-31. to 31. What is one takeaway that each of you guys had from that football game? Lance, we'll start with you. I'm going to say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stray away from UCF. I'm going to talk about Boise State for a second. This team does not look like they dropped off with without Brian Harson. I mean, fundamentally, I thought they were very sound. Again, Hank Bachmeyer with just an incredibly confusing decision there late in the game, but I thought the team as a whole in the offense looked really good with him. Uh, I think this team talent-wise, is going to to continue to kind of rule the Mountain West in a way. I think they're very, very talented after seeing them compete against Gus Malzahn and UCF last night. Yeah, I just think they're, they're, they're way more of a complete team than I would have expected without Brian Harson. Yeah, my takeaway would be what we talked about a little bit earlier. It's the same old Gus Malzahn. I think they're going to have this big win over Boise State. I think they'll beat Cincinnati because UCF just has a ton of talent but they're going to slip up at some point this season and it might end up costing them uh, in the overall picture. And that's just, I think, going to be same old Gus down there. Future schedule for UCF. They host Bethune-Cookman next weekend and then they will make a trip up to Kentucky and take on Louisville. That'll be a 6.30 ESPN game on a Friday night, September 17th. Then they will stay on the road, go to Navy, then they'll return home for a game against ECU, and then comes the big matchup on the road at Cincinnati on October 16th. I think this UCF team should be undefeated going into that ballgame against Cincinnati after what we saw last night, and that is my takeaway. I think they're a legitimate contender at the American Athletic Conference. They should very well be undefeated going into that Cincinnati game, and if you win that ballgame, well, you should honestly... You should win the division, and you should be in a really good position to win the American Athletic Conference. If if UCF goes undefeated and they look really, really good from here on out, uh, do we see them maybe climb into the top five or six and people start talking about them as a playoff contender potentially? I don't think that they will get the respect to get into the playoff. I don't, I don't see that for group of five teams. Mm-hmm. The playoff is not for group of five teams at this point until it expands to 12, if we even see that, depending on all of these different things that have been changing in college football. Of course, you have to remember conference realignment still occurring. Now, UCF was mentioned as a potential team to join the Big 12 to try and salvage it yesterday, but I do think that this UCF team gets into the top 25 rather quickly. The way that the commentators last night were talking about UCF, I don't know if you guys like cued into it, it was just like so much respect yeah. was heaped onto the UCF program because Gus Malzahn was there mm-hmm. because he came from a power five job that that's kind of the vibe that I get from people talking about UCF and so I don't think it's going to take them very long to get into the top 25 will they be ranked after they beat Bethune Cookman probably not after they beat Louisville I think so I think after they get to a 3-0 and start you could see UCF squeeze in at 25 of course you need teams to have lost in the top 25 by that point room needs to be made but I do think that UCF will get into the top 25 quicker than maybe your average group of five team. They will be ranked, though, by the time that they play Cincinnati. That is one that television networks will want to have two numbers beside those teams' names. Let's move on to our next game here. Ohio State-Minnesota, 45-31. Buckeyes pull away at the end. Much thanks to a strip sack on Tanner Morgan that Ohio State was able to blow the door down in the second half. Yeah, and I would say my one takeaway from this game, I thought there were multiple things that you could look at and talk about, but I think the one thing for me is that this Ohio State defense was bad in an area that I didn't expect them to be bad in. The the rushing yards that they allowed against Minnesota last night, 
Muhammad Ibrahim, I believe is how you pronounce his Ibrahim. name. Ibrahim. Ibrahim. He had a really good uh, night last night before he went down with an injury. 163 rushing yards, two touchdowns, averaged 5.4 yards per carry. Minnesota finished with 203 rushing yards on the night. I did not expect Ohio State to get gashed like that. I thought it would be their secondary that was the issue. But, you know, Minnesota was able to kind of control the ground game, and you talked about it a little bit in the first hour, Noah. Ohio State got pushed around a little bit, and that was surprising to me. So my big takeaway, this is a little odd, was a question mark. I don't really understand Minnesota. I don't know how Auburn lost to them a couple of years ago. I get it's a different team. I don't understand how Auburn lost to that team, and I don't understand how people think that P.J. Fleck is such a fantastic coach. I saw some very bad coaching last night, but also – they kept it close with Ohio State, which I don't. I think Ohio State might be a little overranked. But what was your problems with Minnesota last night? I mean, there were just some. I don't know. I didn't see a lot of things that I liked. I mean, they went to the Wildcat at one point in like third and medium or third and long. I was like, questionable what is this? decision. Yeah, I was sure. Like, what is happening here? So I just have some question marks about Minnesota now. I, I don't know what to believe. I didn't think they were that good. I think they might be worse than I expected. Which they actually looked kind of good last night. So. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't know if you're following what I'm saying. No, I but get what you're saying, yeah. It's a mixed know. bag with Minnesota last night. Of course, they did great to hang with Ohio State, but a lot of that may be an Ohio State problem rather than mm-hmm. an indication that Minnesota may be, quote, back, considering they had that nine-win season a couple of years ago or ten-win season, whatever it was. I've got a couple of things here. There's a lot to unpack on this game. Lance, I liked what you hit on with the ground game and being shocked that Ohio State was pushed around in the trenches it doesn't get more balanced than this than actually shifting one of these yards over to the other category. 205 passing yards, 203 rushing yards for Minnesota. Also, something else to look at. Time of possession, 38 minutes, 41 seconds for Minnesota yesterday to Ohio State's 21 minutes and 19 seconds. Minnesota controlled this game. Minnesota, really, I don't think they could have done much better. I felt like they executed their game plan to where they wanted it, and it put them in a position to to at least have a chance to win. They, they led at different intervals in this game, traded some shots with Ohio State in the middle of the ball game in the second and third quarters. Of course, Minnesota, vastly inferior talent than Ohio State on their roster, so Ohio State eventually pulls away. But if it wasn't for the strip sack in the second half, mm-hmm. And then whatever that targeting call was at the very end, and of course it was still a it was still like a one one score ball game or maybe a two score ball game at that point. Yeah. Which I I don't know what I believe on that because Gus Johnson was talking about. It. He said I don't have a problem with this not being targeted. I was like you know I typically vibe with what people are saying there about targeting where the guy was hitting the shoulder and it's just it's a football play. It's not like he. It's not like he speared him in the head or the neck or anything like that. It was just a really vicious hit without it being, you know, without it being hostile or, 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 you know, malicious. It was just a, it was just a big hit. And sometimes a big collision could draw a penalty flag. And also I don't want to see guys thrown out of the ball game, which I think at times can affect whether or not a penalty flag is actually called on targeting because they don't want to throw the guy out of the ball game. I think it can be targeting and the guy not deserve to be thrown out of the ball game. You know, so late in the game there was some stuff going on there. But if it wasn't for that strip sack, this score looks a little bit different and the game plays out a little bit differently. Of course, Ohio State got there, they forced the sack, they deserved the score, of course. I was impressed with the way Minnesota played. And just kind of a fun little note here. Man, keep your eyes. If you watch Minnesota again this year, watch number 42. Co-Keeft is a beast. 
I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. <laughs> that fullback is the way I wish. If Auburn's actually running a legit fullback or a legit H-back this upcoming year, I hope our guy looks like that. He was moving dudes around. It was like putting a baby in a stroller and carting them around all over the place. <laughs> Just go back and watch the game if you can. If you recorded or something like that, Co-Keeft was moving earth yesterday. That guy was so much fun to watch. I mean, that was a big reason why Minnesota was able to run the ball so effectively. I mean, that's just, you know, nerd football stuff that I'm watching, stuff that the average person, you know, probably isn't paying attention to. But number 42 for Minnesota. Man, that guy was a hero last night. Is that the most fun you've had watching a, an offense with someone a fullback block, before? Yes, yeah. someone block 100%. I mean, he was getting his hands inside. He was pushing dudes that were bigger than him around. It was great. I mean, there was one point where he carried a dude like 10 yards down the field. <laughs> I was like, Ohio State should not be getting pushed around like this. So I had to go and search what his name was, and his name's Co-Keefed. I was like, this is great. I, I need a fullback on Auburn's named Co-Keefed, you know. But John Samuel Shanker's great, too, you know. We just need him to start moving around, people. People. Yeah, I, 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 to 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 put a bow on the Ohio State Minnesota game. I like what Christian said as far as like I feel you feel like Minnesota punched above their weight class, but they're still not as good of a, good of a team as some people might think. And then also Ohio State's probably not as good as some people might think. Is yeah. that what you were you were trying to say? Yeah, earlier? you summed it up a lot better than I did. <laughs> so, I, and I complete I completely agree with that. After wa- going back and watching the recap last night, yeah, Minnesota punched above their weight class last night. Good individual efforts from different players. I just don't. I think both of these teams are slightly overrated. Thoughts on C.J. Stroud? I thought that he was bailed out in certain situations by his skill position guys. I mean, there was the screen pass that what 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 is their running back's name? Is it Trevion Henderson? Yeah, that kid. He should have been tackled, first of all. Yeah. And then there was the Chris Olave touchdown late where he walked on the tightrope. And Olave is great, but the guy was, you know, a mile wide open. You better be able to hit that. I, I don't feel like Stroud yesterday. The stat line is going to tell you that he had a great start. He had four TDs, 294 yards. But the completion percentage wasn't great. And I, I think if you go back and watch the film, I don't think that you saw a whole lot that Stroud actually himself added to the team that his teammates – did it also contribute a large portion to? I think you got to go back to your analogy, Noah, talking about trucks and trailers in college football as far as the quarterback position goes. You don't want a trailer at quarterback. You don't want a guy that brings the team down and kind of is, is you're pulling along the team is. You want a truck. You want a guy that makes the team around you better. Joe Burrow, I feel like, is the definition of that. Even though he had so much talent around him, Cam Newton, another guy, he brought everybody else around him up and made them better cj stroud last night i completely agree with you it feels like his skill position guys his receivers and his running backs bailed him out at different points in the game and allowed ohio state to keep uh to keep it close and then to eventually pull away uh in the third quarter cj stroud his final stat line 294 passing yards but like you said noah i mean that screen pass and then the the throw to alave i mean alave was wide open it felt like it felt like the guys around him were kind of pushing him along and making him in his final stat line look a lot better than maybe he's he's capable of playing as a freshman right now. Yeah, I was not impressed by C.J. Stroud, really in the slightest. Um, I mean, there was some – it was not the greatest conditions out there for a quarterback to be throwing the ball, but he just did not really – he didn't impress me too much. And and this is something that we were talking about a little bit off air. You know, it, it, it brings cause for concern when you look at this Ohio State schedule because you have to play Oregon in two weeks. And Oregon 
is no slouch. I feel like they're a little mm-hmm. bit better of a team than Minnesota. I know that game's at home, but it's going to be interesting. You have to play at Indiana. You still get Penn State at home. And then, obviously, Michigan fans, I saw on Twitter, some guys were like, so you're saying we have a chance after watching C.J. Stroud play. So, yeah, there are definitely spots on the schedule where Ohio State could find themselves struggling in a, in a game because of C.J. Stroud. And then on top of that, there's always that game that you don't expect Ohio State to lose, and then they go and they lose to Iowa or Purdue or something like that. There's definitely that game on the schedule. Now, I don't know where it comes from, but I I don't see Ohio State finishing the regular season undefeated. PFF gave C.J. Stroud a 74.1 passer grade, according to their metrics, which is... That's a little bit above average, or is that just average? It's above average. Okay. It's not a bad day. I wouldn't say that it was, you know great day or anything like that it was just good which 294 for 294 yards four touchdowns i know we're kind of like heaping on some of the negative things that he did he had a good second half i just i want to see this guy do it against good defense christian you're about mm-hmm. to say something no i was just gonna say against minnesota it needs to be a little bit better than good in my opinion yeah and the so. first half was bad yeah. i think you know the second half redeemed it a little bit but and, and I'm, I'm not kind of taken away from all the things that we just said in this segment i, I that all still can hold true like the stat line was good. You know, he had four TDs and 294 yards, so he had to do some things well. I'm just curious what that looks like when he plays Wisconsin or, or maybe if Penn State somehow is above average this year or, or is better than what we think that they could be. You know, when he runs into a good defense or if his players around him maybe aren't playing well, maybe the offensive line one day is struggling or the receivers are struggling, what does he contribute more than what his teammates are contributing and uh, yesterday, I don't think we saw a ton of that, but it was his first time ever throwing a football in a live game action in college football. Let's head to a quick break here. When we come back, we'll talk about that Tennessee Bowling Green game as well as starting to get into our Saturday selections. You're listening to On the Line. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daugherty, SBM 1067 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with us for the entire show today. Glad you joined us today, man. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Need to get into Saturday selections in just a moment. Quick thoughts on that Tennessee Bowling Green game last night. It was not impressive. Uh, outside of the first quarter, it was not an impressive showing from Tennessee. I mean, those two first drives that Tennessee had, they came out throwing, offensively and defensively. I mean, they looked really, really sharp. The crowd was into it. It was hype. It was looking like it was it was heading towards a very, very big blowout. And all of a sudden, the offense just stalled. And they turned the ball over a couple of times, and you look up, and it's 14-6 to at halftime. And Tennessee couldn't really do much other than control the ground game. They had 331 yards rushing, two guys uh, uh, over 100 yards for Tennessee. But, man, Joe Milton did not look the part at quarterback. He struggled. Uh, Let me just preface this real quick by saying I didn't actually watch the game, but I kept up with it a little bit. And then, you know, I saw last night, oh, they won. That seems nice. Score wasn't anything incredible, but they got a win. That's fine. Looking at the stat sheet just in the break there, wow. That looks uh, not great for Tennessee. I don't have really any confidence in this team whatsoever. Yeah, 140 passing yards against Bowling Green it is not going to do you any favors moving into Pittsburgh next week in an SEC slate. Uh, as far as fan support goes, it's not going to do you any favors. And something that we talked about uh, uh, yesterday, Noah, 
before before we uh, ended the show, Bowling Green had the fourth best passing defense in the nation in terms of passing yards allowed per game last season. I was like, well, that probably won't affect Tennessee at all. And then we mentioned, like, oh, yeah, Bowling Green also gives up over 300 uh, rushing yards per game, or at least they did last season. But Tennessee will be able to air it out. No, like, you look at Bowling Green, what they gave up last season, and you look at what Tennessee did. It's like very, very similar to uh, to what ended up happening uh, last night. Joe Milton's passer grade yesterday, according to Pro Football Focus, 60.4. Not good. Not good at all. I have serious questions now as to whether or not this Tennessee team is going to get to bowl eligibility because we said this when we were predicting out their schedule earlier in this offseason. They have to beat Pittsburgh. They have to beat Pittsburgh to get to a bowl game. And yeah. Pittsburgh's not a bad defensive team out of the ACC Based off what I saw yesterday from Joe Milton as a passer, I don't know if Tennessee is going to be able to get it done when they play Pittsburgh next week. And that's going to throw into complete question whether or not this team is going to be able to get the ball eligibility because they're going to have to upset somebody. It does not help them that they have to play Ole Miss. Yeah. Maybe it does, though. Maybe they that's, need to play a bad defense. That's exactly what I was about to say. It was like, I'm looking at that Pittsburgh game, and then I'm also looking at that Ole Miss game. And no, I don't think right now Tennessee's going to be able to win that game. But in order to get to a bowl game, you got to upset somebody. And if you want to play a bad defense, I mean, like, what else would you want to play a, a, a bad defense and then uh, a quarterback that has been thrown five interceptions and then six interceptions in a game? Wouldn't you like to, to get that shot? I mean, I, it. Best case scenario, I think, for Tennessee is to play Ole Miss. There, that's one that I would look at that they could at least pull off, and that has to deal with their defense at Ole Miss being optional. They they <laughs> they practice offense probably twenty four seven over there. I mean, that is not that is not their strength, of course. And so maybe at that point, just looking way down the line. But I think also something there is something to be said about just not overreacting to Week One. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we've seen this with Auburn. They could start out with an issue in one area, and then that actually not end up being the issue across yeah. the whole season. Things average out, and so we'll see how Tennessee follows it up next week and maybe start drawing some you know, preliminary conclusions about Tennessee after week two. But let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we got Scott Bagwell, Auburn High School play-by-play announcer, joining us on the show today as Auburn High School takes on Prattville tonight. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama, as well as Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with us on the Friday edition of the show. Joining us as well on the phone lines, it's a packed house now. we got the full crew here on the line. We've got Scott Bagwell, Auburn High School football play-by-play announcer on the Auburn High Sports Network. Scott, you've got a road trip to Prattville right down the road. How you doing today, my man? Good. How are you doing, Noah? I'm doing really well. Just happy high school football. It's in the air. College football, it's in the air. I'm glad it's not raining. Hopefully it stays away for all of our ball games tonight. I know you're on the road headed to Prattville. What's the mentality like for this Auburn High football team at 2-0 and as they open region play? Uh, you know, I think the big thing is for Auburn is they feel like they haven't played a clean game yet. Um, got a win over at Opelika last week, 16-14. Uh, Auburn left points on the board of plenty uh, and also gave up a couple of big plays to give Opelika their scores. Um, didn't really uh, have a drive against them. Um, uh, you know, a 50-yard touchdown pass on a one-play drive and then forced a punt situation against Opelika. They faked the punt. Nice job by the Opelika staff scheming that one up and then were able to punch it in for the touchdown. Auburn, Auburn right now is looking for a clean game of football. Um and, uh, you know, it, it was 
kind of to be expected. It's a lot of new players on this team after graduating, 40 or 50 uh, kids from the team that uh, played for a state title a year ago. Scott, taking a look at this Auburn offense and specifically the offensive line that's featured guys that you have said in the past, these guys can go and play college football at the next level. How's the offensive line gelling together at this point? What is the chemistry building process looking like for this team on the ground? You know, last week, uh, the running backs averaged seven or eight yards per carry. So the run game is starting to get there. Um, had a couple of run-throughs uh, early in the game, meaning just a missed assignment. Linebacker comes through for a negative play. Um, you know, had some sacks uh, that that resulted in big losses to move Auburn out of field goal range. Um, so the run game is 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 pretty close to where they need to be. They need to get the uh, pass protection shirt up, and something that's not just on the offensive line. I know talking with the staff. Uh, there were some uh, missed assignments from the running backs and pass protection stuff where they should have stepped up and filled the lane and didn't um, resulted in the sacks. But the offensive line is starting to uh, starting to insert itself, starting to gel together, and I think you're going to see uh, Auburn try to establish a run early uh, tonight against Prattville and uh, and while establishing the run, try to try to find a way to get Clyde Pittman into a rhythm uh, at the quarterback position. Yeah, in the past against Prattville, it's always been a pretty physical ball game, a, a defensive affair. Do you expect the same tonight? Yeah, um, both teams' defenses are their strong point. Uh, Prattville has given up next to nothing in their first two games against Prattville, or against the Wetumpka and Stanhope Elmore. I think giving up 13 points and then six points in the two games. Uh, neither team uh, had that has faced Prattville has gotten over 200 yards total yards. Uh, so, no, I think it's going to be a field position game when I talked with Coach Keith Etheridge earlier today. Um, and you can catch that full interview in the pregame show um, for tonight's game. Uh, he said that the key to the game tonight is going to be field position. Special teams are good for Prattville. Special teams are good for Auburn. So now it's and with two good defenses, it's who gets the short field and uh, who doesn't have to drive 70, 80 yards against a good defense uh, to get points. Uh, sticking with the defense a little bit here, you know, the linebackers, you've got Brad Harper, you've got Auburn commit Powell Gordon, and I cover recruiting personally. How have those guys uh, fared so far this season, would you say, the linebacker crew as a whole? You know, Brad had 13 tackles, 14 tackles, something like that, against Opelika. He was all over the place. Powell, um, you know, teams are very aware of him. They're sending tight ends and running backs and everything galore towards him to make sure he can't um, – you know, he can't be a menace off the edge. With that said, he leads the team in tackles. Um, he, he's been Powell. He gives great effort. He actually might have had the biggest play in the game against Opelika on that fake punt. He caught the ball carrier um, uh, and, and was able to get the tackle. So it was just a 30-yard gain as opposed to even more. And then Opelika still grinded out a touchdown. And it might not have seemed like that big of a deal because they still scored, but uh, Opelika still had to use a couple of more minutes of game time off the clock, and Auburn was then able to run off the clock later in the game, so they had some more time that Opelika had to waste. Um, uh, but but Powell, after terrorizing uh, the central region part of the state for the last two years, teams have finally started to put two and three people over there, and what that has done is let other people feast. Uh, Brad Harper against Opelika. Clark Cleveland had 10 tackles, three tackles for a loss against Opelika. Braden Jordan uh, has been uh, uh, in the middle, just causing havoc as well. So you're starting to see that 
offenses have said Powell's not going to beat us, so other teams, are, other players on the team are starting to step up and making plays as well. Talk to us a little bit about these quarterbacks, both of them, Clyde Pittman and Davis Harson. What have you seen from these guys early on through the first two weeks? You know, it's Clyde, so he's the starter. Um, Auburn's trying to find a way to get him in rhythm. Uh, he struggled early against Opelika, but then made some good passes, got Auburn in the field goal, field goal range at the end of the half, um, got Auburn out of a bad down-and-distance situation on their other touchdown drive. Um, and that's something that Auburn, you know, he's, he's, even though he's a junior, he's only started two football games and, you know, it, the quarterback position is something where, you know, you don't really get a lot of reps against the first team defense if you're not the starter. So he's still getting used to that. Um, and, and Davis is a guy that the Auburn staff is very high on. You saw it against Park Crossing. They wanted to get him into the game so that if, if something happens and he has to be the guy, that's not his first rep against the first team defense. They, there was a plan. There's a script to get him in uh, against Opelika. It just didn't unfold the way the game kind of played out to be able to, to get him in there. They needed to get Clyde re- um, into a rhythm and comfortable. So if everything plays out perfectly, Auburn gets a touchdown drive on their first two drives or, or one of those two drives, and then they're able to get Davis in there and – and let him get a series, um, but uh, it, it's it's Clyde Pittman's show. I know the staff is high on both of them. Um, both of them are still young and still kind of getting used to what being a starting 7A quarterback is like. Scott Goolsby named for the Broyles Award the high school version of it. I mean, that, that's a big deal. What is the D.C.? You know, everybody knows about him here locally, but for folks that maybe are listening to the program that are not familiar with the, the area high school landscape, uh, they they they're missing something special with Goolsby as the defensive coordinator at Auburn. Yeah, he's a great guy for starters. Um, he he's been in Auburn for a while now. I think he came down in 2013, actually helping out on the offensive side of the ball before moving over to defense, which is his natural position. Um, and he was a linebackers coach when Coach Plot was the DC. Coach Plot now the head coach down at Carroll High School, who kind of put in this system that Auburn runs right now. And, and what Coach Goolsby has done, he took the system, put his own spin on it, and has made Auburn one of the top defenses in the state the past two to three years. Um, it's built around pressure. If Auburn can get pressure with their four, they're going to do that. But um, what you're not going to be allowed to do if you're the opposing quarterback playing Auburn High School is you're not going to have time. You're going to have to 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 either – sacrifice uh route runners or you're going to have to sacrifice time in the pocket uh because auburn's going to bring pressure and uh they're going to stop the run i think auburn gave up like 150 yards against opelika on the ground and that's something that coach goolsby brought up to me when i saw him today he was not happy about that so i expect uh auburn to get after on the defensive side of the ball tonight and uh and and um i will be surprised if they allow prideville to to get a run game going Scott, we're going to let you get out of here, but before we do, tell everybody how they can listen to the broadcast tonight. Wings 94.3 and also online at wingsfm.com. Pre-game 6.30, kickoff at 7, and uh, as Auburn goes to Friday, they're looking to go 1-0 in recent play. Scott, I appreciate it, my man. I hope you have a good call and a safe trip. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a good one. That was Scott Bagwell, play-by-play announcer for the Auburn High Sports Network. Once again, catch all the action tonight. Wings 94-3 kickoff at 7 as Auburn High School takes on Prattville. 
When we come back, we got Saturday selections, and we send it out to the weekend. We'll be back with more of On the Line. On the Line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 1067. Wrapping up the Friday edition of On the Line, the eve of the start of the college football season for Auburn football. Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama, as well as Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with us for the entire show today. Man, it's been a blast. We might need to make this a regular occurrence, but I realize you, you, you have a life to get to, too, man. So we appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, no, I'm super happy to be here after the first hour decided to re-up and come back for the second hour so i'm really happy i did and I'm, I'm happy to get some of these predictions in too yeah the real reason why he came back was <laughs> he's like i have to continue with my perfect record in saturday selections um so let's get to it right here saturday selections here for the final segment of on the line saturday selections all right gentlemen let's open it up tonight Number 10, North Carolina at Virginia Tech, 5 p.m. ESPN. Yeah, this one could potentially be a tough one for Sam Howell in North Carolina, but that offense, man, I think Sam Howell is going to be able to do a lot of really good things. And I know that this is somewhat of a post-COVID environment, right, at Virginia Tech. And obviously, there are going to be fans there. They're going to be excited. Crowd is going to be a factor. But at the end of the day, I don't see Justin Fuente and Virginia Tech getting it done, although it would be a really nice signature win for the Hokies, like I talked about earlier in the week, man, this could be a huge win for the program, but I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I see why this is kind of a trendy upset pick, and I've seen a lot of Virginia Tech picks um, out there on social media and stuff like that. I don't think it's happening. I'm going with North Carolina. I know they lost their running back duo. They've still got Sam Howell, so I don't care. Sam Howell too good, man. He's going to make these receivers look really good as well. I know they lost a lot of skill positions like you are mentioning. Two talented receivers, two talented running backs. This guy's a truck, not a trailer. I'll take North Carolina as well. Number 19, Penn State at number 12, Wisconsin. Badgers favored by five and a half at home. 11 a.m., big noon kickoff, Fox tomorrow. Yeah, guys, look, I, I've we've talked all offseason about how I just don't think Penn State's going to be able to bounce back in a way that a lot of people do. I just really don't like their matchup with Auburn. I think Auburn's got a lot of really good things that they can do in that game. But for some reason, week one, my gut is telling me over the past couple of weeks that Penn State is going to come out and play well in this game. I'm going to take Penn State to beat Wisconsin on the road. I don't feel good about it. If if I get this right, I'm not even gonna claim it. All right, I just don't want it. I don't want it to happen. But my gut is telling me it will. So I think Penn State upsets number 12 Wisconsin on the road. Yeah, after the disaster that I watched last season out of Penn State, I can't pick Penn State to win this game. So I'm gonna go with Wisconsin. Thank you. Disaster. That's a good word <laughs> for Penn State football last year. It's also something that you could describe their offensive line with. Wisconsin gonna move earth in this football game give me the badgers i like them to move them around in the trenches that's where these games are won in the big 10 these types of games number 19 in the country gets number 12 in the country comes down to the trenches wisconsin's got a significant advantage on both sides of the ball i'll take the badgers as well we'll step away from saturday selections here for just a moment and we will head to the phone lines now 334-321-1390 text line at 334-564-1840 we got a couple minutes here for you matt what's up hey guys just thinking about the way gus Snell's on used bone and uh on fourth downs and his punting abilities 
when it when they were on uh, in plus territory, closer to the fifty yard line. Do you think Harson takes advantage of his skill punting as well, or do you think that's just Gus Malzahn thing? I think that was probably just a Gus Malzahn thing, especially considering that this coaching staff outlined Oscar Chapman as like the guy. But even if you don't want to use Oscar Chapman for certain situations, because we've talked with some folks earlier this week, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer said that situationally, these coaching staffs have maybe seen that Aiden Marshall offers them something in certain situations, whereas they might go with Oscar Chapman for you know 90% of the time. And so I'll say that they've got two good punters on the roster and they're going to stick to the punters. Yeah, I would agree with that. And in terms of like the way that the, this coaching staff operates compared to what Malzahn did. I almost feel like, and I'm not calling Malzahn gimmicky, I just feel like it's more traditional, and I think they're going to use the punter to actually punt. Christian, do you have any insight on that? You cover the team very closely. Yeah, I can't really see a world where they would rely on Bonix to punt all that often. Maybe it happens once over the course of the season, but I think that was a Gus Malzahn thing more than anything else. And most coaches do have that as a package for their quarterbacks anyway, but yeah, I, I think the the analysis on Oscar Chapman and Aiden Marshall, they got two good punters. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to stay with those guys. All right, let's get back to Saturday selections before we get out of here. We're going to have to go through these very quickly. Saturday selections. All right, gentlemen. We've gone through two games. Number one, Alabama. Number 14, Miami. 2.30 p.m. ABC. Yeah, give me Alabama to win this game. I think it's close for about a quarter and a half. But Derek King, I don't think he's going to be able to make enough good decisions against this Alabama defense. I think we saw a very similar quarterback in Kyler Murray get shut down for the majority of the college football playoff game that Alabama had against Murray a couple of seasons ago. I think we see something very similar here. Yeah, Miami stands absolutely no chance. This is Alabama's game to win. Sledgehammer, meat, glass, pain. It's that fragile. It's that brittle. Alabama dominates Miami in this football game. I'll take the Crimson Tide. Number 17, Indiana. At number 18, Iowa. Hawkeyes favored by four. They give them an extra point in addition to the home field advantage three. 2.30 p.m., Big Ten Network. Who you guys got? Don't feel good about this pick either, but I'm going to take Iowa to win at home. Look, I really like this Indiana team. I really like this offense. I really like this defense. I really like their coach. I like everything about this just team. It's not enough right. to pick them. It's just my gut is telling me week one that these two Big Ten games are not going to go the way that I expect them to. I'm going to pick Iowa to win. It's the epitome of consistency down there in Iowa. I just think that this is one of those wins where they go out and they play hard-nosed football and they find a way to win. Yeah, I'm going with Iowa as well. I don't have a whole lot to back it up, but going with Iowa. I'm going with Indiana for all the reasons why Lance said (laughs) that I should go with Indiana. (laughs) Like this football team, like this coach, I think they're complete. They got their quarterback back in Penix. Got their top wide receiver, Fry Fogle, back. Also, great name, Fry Fogle. Excellent. Feel like there should be... uh, in the movie Super Bad, maybe that should have been uh, instead of McLovin, it should have been Freifogel, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm going to take Indiana in this game. Defense is a big reason why, I like this IU team, they play a good brand of it down there, and it's not something that's just all of a sudden emerged last year. They've been playing good defense for several seasons now. I'll take the Hoosiers. Moving on to a game down here in the South, number 23 Louisiana at number 21 Texas. Texas nine point favorites, 3:30 p.m. Fox. Yeah, I think Texas is going to win this game. Now, whether or not they cover. I'm kind of going back and forth on, but yeah, I think Hudson Card in this new offense, I think they get it done against a really experienced and talented uh, Louisiana squad. You know, I'm going Louisiana just because I never believe in Texas. They're never back. They're still not back. (laughs) Seem to lose their season openers a lot of times. Yep, Louisiana is going to find a way. I'm going to ride with Texas. I've talked a lot about Texas this offseason. Al Sarkeesian, this was a great fit. He's got a lot of talent there. Last four recruiting classes for them. 
They had two that finished in the top five, top three, actually. They've been top ten classes all four of those years. They're all upperclassmen now. He's got talent. I just don't buy that Louisiana is going to do what they did last year again this year. Everybody's taking them seriously. They know they're here. They could catch teams off guard last year. I don't think they catch Texas off guard this year. Akron at Auburn, gentlemen, we picked this game. Uh, all of us Auburn, and yep. nobody's changing their tune there. Yep. <laughs> 6 p.m. SEC Network plus ESPN Plus. If you don't know what that means, uh, you better be figuring it out because you do not want to get there <laughs> at game time tomorrow and wonder, why is this not on the television? It's ridiculous why it's not on the television. Number five, Georgia at number three, Clemson. The big game tomorrow. Three-point favorites are the Tigers, 6.30 p.m. ABC. If Georgia was fully healthy for this game, I would probably pick Georgia, but I'm going with Clemson simply because I think there are too many injuries on the offensive side of the ball, and I don't know if JT Daniels is going to be able to get it done in his fifth career start for the Bulldogs. I think this is a very close game. I think it's a very good game. I'm picking Clemson something like 31-24, 28-24, somewhere around there. I know they've got the injuries, but there's just something about Georgia that I really like this year. I know Auburn fans don't want to hear that, but I really like Georgia this year. I like JT Daniels, so I'm going Georgia. Even if there's not a lot to like about Georgia, Auburn will find a way. You know, I think back to 2016, <laughs> and it's like, come on, man. I still hold a grudge on that game. But Talk about adjustments, man. Yeah. I'm going to take Georgia to win this ball game. The, the injuries I don't think are a huge concern because of the volume of playmakers they have at the receiver positions. Also, Zamir White kind of flying under the radar a little bit for a running back that averaged more than five yards a carry last year. I like what Georgia's got up front. I think this defensive line maybe is being slept on a little bit. I think that this defense comes out, maybe shocks some people for the amount of talent that they lost. Looks really good. Maybe makes folks question Clemson a little bit from an offensive standpoint. Ungalele is going to have a little bit of a, a development curve to go after this ball game. I'm going to take Georgia to win it. Not by much. It'll be a fun game. Number 16, LSU at UCLA, 7.30 p.m. Fox. Yeah, I've got uh, LSU winning this game 37-27. I really like this UCLA team. I think it's going to be a fun matchup, but at the end of the day, I think LSU just simply has too much talent, and they will win in the Rose Bowl. Oh, I was really concerned we weren't going to pick this game because I'm picking UCLA, and I really want to get that out there. So Why? I just, I'll give you the floor. I'm taking LSU, but I'll give you the floor here. Go for it. I like this UCLA team. I like DTR at the quarterback position. He can run the ball. He's not the best passer, but he's a dual threat guy. And I don't believe in LSU. I don't understand how they ended up being rated so highly uh, from last year to this year. I don't know what changed to where they got this high rating. So I'm going UCLA. I don't believe in LSU either. I still think LSU is going to be able to score. What, what makes me so uncomfortable about this football game is how good UCLA looked last week. And I don't know if Hawaii's bad because they've had good teams over the last couple of years. So, like, I don't know how to evaluate UCLA, but all I know is this. If UCLA moves the football at will in this game, and I still think they lose. I'm taking LSU to win, like, 37, you know, 30, something like that. UCLA still scores 30. This defense at LSU is not that much better than they were last year. LSU ought to be able to against a Pac-12 team control the trenches. But I, I will take the Tigers, but in a close one. That's it for the Friday edition of On the Line. We'll be back with you on Monday. You know where to find us.